and welcome to the Never Heard of It podcast. I'm Craig Moorhead. I am joined, as always, by my co-host and yours, Sean D. Harwell. And that actually is my middle initial, Craig. What does that D stand for, Sean? I'm taking write-in answers and guesses. Okay. We'll start okay. a pool. But in the meantime, I'm here to tell you that this is the podcast where we talk about movies that have slipped through our cracks or need more attention, or in some cases, maybe a little bit less. We'll see how that mm. cookie crumbles tonight. That's right, Sean. You know, we're talking about what are ostensibly the best movies of the year. As we all know, it's important to judge art and make sure that you can rank different pieces of art. I think we're all agreed on that. We are. And, uh, and the Oscars are a great example of it. But so we're going to talk about three of the Oscar winners of this year, Sean. But before we get into that, should we uh, tell the folks where they can find us? It's at NeverHeardPodcast.com. And scroll all the way down. You click around. There's different pages. There's hmm. links. There's mm -hmm. clicky things, icons. Oh, clicky You'll things, find yeah. us at all those social places you hold so dear in your heart and make your life better every single day. Does anybody <sighs> feel that way about social media? I don't think so. <laughs> I definitely Not don't. anymore. Not anymore. Now, but come say hello. That, I mean, I think for me personally is one of the bright spots of social media is connecting with people there and, and, and talking about these movies. Specifically, it's been a lot of fun. As we wind down our series on 1985 here and wind down this calendar year of 2017, man, when this drops, it's going to be firmly in December. And yeah. Uh, yeah, that's crazy to think about and also kind of exciting and fun. So uh, I'll say it in advance in case I forget at some point in these last two episodes. Thank you for <laughs> coming along on the ride for us with us this year and especially yeah. in this deep dive of 1985. So You'll notice, like, yeah, we're not finishing out the series this year on these Best Picture nominees. Our tee-up episode was talking all about the Academy Awards. We've got two more movies coming your way. We'll see how we feel after the end of this episode, if, if maybe the Academy got it right, or if maybe, perhaps, they picked really good movies, but maybe not mm -hmm. ones that will be considered timeless. That's always a debate, right? It seems impossible to fathom. <laughs> that the voters would get it wrong. Do you know what I mean? Well, it's hard to predict the future, you know? Even so when one of the movies of this year has the word future right in the title, and I think you know which one <laughs> I'm talking about. We did things a little bit differently this time, right? We did, Sean, and I'll tell you how. Well, first, we managed to pick one movie that was really kind of hard to get our hands on yeah. for different reasons. We had, of course, chosen to already watch the uh, best picture of the year, which was Out of Africa. Mm -hmm. The other movie we were going to watch was Pritzi's Honor, and we were going to kind of go back and forth with those two. For some reason, Netflix looked at my cue and said, no, no, this guy <laughs> needs Kiss of the Spider Woman. And that's what I got. Which is fine, because that's another one that was nominated. Sure. So we've watched three movies. I've watched two of the movies, and Sean's doing the heavy lifting on Pritzi's Honor tonight, which, Sean, I really appreciate. No problem. And you're going to do the same with Kiss of the Spider-Woman. Obviously, Oh yeah. each of us have seen Witness in The Color Purple mm -hmm. at least once, if not multiple times. It's been a while. I'd love to go back and rewatch both of those at some point. But I am excited to talk about the three movies we're going to talk about tonight because I don't know exactly who you hang around, Craig. But I feel like in my mm -hmm. social circle, I don't hear anybody talk about these three movies ever. 
three of the best movies of the year, according to the Academy. And yeah, yeah it's it's exciting to me to get into some of this a little bit and figure out why that is, why these these movies don't necessarily come up in the in the nerd nerdosphere that I live in, I guess. Indeed. And let's talk about that. Shall we start with Pritzi's Honor? Let's do it. I will start by saying it's weird because I watched the trailer after I watched the movie. And, you know, the voiceover guy does say Pritzi's Honor. Mm-hmm. In the movie itself, they say Pritzi. A Pritzi. Oh, yeah. Pritzi. That makes sense. Maybe you can tell from that butchering, it's an about an Italian-American family. <laughs> And they do not pronounce it that heavily. <laughs> but it, yeah, right. so, so I don't know if it's Pritzi, Pritzi, you take your pick and run with it. Because I'm here to say that one of the main stars of this movie is Jack Nicholson. And boy, his accent drove me crazy this entire movie. Oh, he had an accent? Oh, yeah. Thick Brooklyn oh. kind of woids, you know, when he's saying words. Oh, and uh, foist, when he's saying first. That kind of bugged me from the start. So here we go. I never actually bothered, or if I did at some point when we were researching this series, to actually figure out what this movie was about. <laughs> Had no clue. Mm-hmm. And so that's going to, I think, play into my perception of it. But the simple IMDb version is that it is about a professional hitman and hitwoman who fall in love. Again, go to the trailer, and they're, they're really selling that heavily as this sort of romantic comedy crime mafia movie that has these sort of two star-crossed lovers if you will and it's hard not to think about something like mr and mrs smith which i think is a Mm -hmm. play on that exact same thing and there may be others that i just don't know about but the movie you get is not it's not that exactly we talked last week it was directed by john houston the venerable john houston I, i think to this date he is still the record holder is the oldest person to ever be nominated for Best Director. And it was based on a novel by Richard Condon. Looks like he also did some of the screenplay here. And I, I think that's also important, too, because the stuff that's good about this movie is the stuff that feels like a novel, and, and specifically like The Godfather. I mean, in a lot of ways, it's hard not to think about The Godfather when you got a movie that more or less opens with an Italian wedding, right? Right. And stays in that scene for quite a while. And there's some beautiful camera work in there. There's some really nice tracking shots and and just slow movement and detail. Houston fills the screen. There's a lot of foreground, background, a lot of people thrown in there. And you sort of make out who the power players are here um, within that. And you kind of are seeing the entire family here. And this is the Prizzi family, which is headed by... Don Corrado Prizzi, played by William Hickey, who mm-hmm. I think you know who that is, right? Definitely. What do you know him from? Oh, man. I think I know him from Creep Show too. Okay. I was going to say. Because, Which is really sad because the no, dude's been around. He's been around, yet, but he's got this horror presence, actually. I mean, like, yeah, the, the guy's voice, you might recognize. He was like the, uh, the mad scientist character in The Nightmare Before Christmas, actually. The one that, like, Sally is trying to poison and escape from. Uh, if, if that movie rings a bell, if you just watch that for Halloween, maybe that will strike a chord. I could not think of that until later, and I looked it up. But, man, in this movie, I mean, he's playing, like, an 80-year-old. And this yeah. guy who is, you know, the first scene in that wedding is kind of like you see him and he's asleep in the first three rows. And 
that voice and like his skin is so pale in this movie and he's so like he looks like a straight up vampire in this movie it's ridiculous yeah but he's a good actor he got nominated for best supporting actor too actually uh as we mentioned mm-hmm. and then the sort of you know robert loesch is in the family nicholson is actually i believe nephew of is that right yes of don carrado of the william hickey right i think mm-hmm. his mother was the godfather's daughter basically his father's still alive but he's actually got a different last name he's not a pritzy he's partana he plays charlie partana nicholson does and he is sort of the hitman, the heavy of this family, the guy who is in charge of when they need something done, they usually get him to do it, right? Right. His character is kind of like a simpleton in some ways, hmm. and he plays it interestingly, but it's thick, you know? Again, like the accent is thick, and the mannerisms are weird, and it starts with him, I think, and that to me is like the biggest thing I have with this issue is like, or this movie, excuse me, is like, I could not place the tone. Like, I just could not. Right. Like, I couldn't grab onto it. And, like, I mean, the whole movie. And it's over right. two hours. I remember looking at it, and it's not on the IMDb here. Maybe it was on the Wikipedia. It's like comedy, crime, drama, romance. And so, like, that's a lot of, right. I mean, that's a lot of things going on. And in a novel, I think some of that nuance maybe comes out a little easier than it does on the screen here. Right. Because, like, here's an example. Kathleen Turner is the hit woman in this thing. Nicholson is smitten with her when he sees her at the wedding, doesn't know who she is. He's trying to find out. There's a scene later where both of them are kind of doing a job because they end up getting married very early on in this movie. And so Mm -hmm. they're sent to basically kidnap a guy. Well, it goes awry a little, and Kathleen Turner shoots and kills this woman who turns out to be a policeman's wife. And Nicholson mm. kills another guy who's like a bodyguard, right? Mm-hmm. Moments after this, they're in an elevator kissing and talking about having children, I think. Hmm. It's weird. And I say that as someone like I love like black comedy and usually like that would be my cup of tea. And here it's just it's just weird, man. It's just weird. Like, <laughs> are they supposed to know going in, like killing the wife of this policeman? Did they know they were killing the wife of a policeman? No, that was an accident. And that ends up being like a big plot point, actually, is that after that happens, it's sort of like the family coming to Nicholson continuously saying, this is a problem. This is a problem. Right. Your wife killed this woman. You know, we got to do something about it. You got to do something. Huh. It's kind of that. I mean, that's sort of like the big scenario that unravels and then it's like about people double crossing there's a moment where kathleen turner gets hired to hit nicholson uh, by another member in the family and then they find out that you know and then they're trying to double cross the well they're just trying to work everything out with the family and that involves this guy that got kidnapped and, and stuff like that and i don't know like some of that back to back and forth isn't that bad and it's kind of interesting. And I do like, I mean, I like the supporting cast. And I like, you know, seeing sort of like the family dynamic. But I do think in light of The Sopranos, in light of Goodfellas and some of these movies right. and, and things that have come out after this movie, I don't know. Like, 
it doesn't quite, I think, have the impact that I suspect it would have at the time. Because there's right. there's actually very little violence in this movie, you know, for people, two people who, that's their job, is to kill people. Right. There's very little of that. And especially, you know, that would be one thing if they were just hitmen, right? Like like Leon, the professional. Yeah. But no, you know, Nicholson is literally within a, a mafia family. Like, he's getting made at a certain point in this movie, right? You know? And so... Yeah. You would expect even more, I think, in a lot of ways. It was interesting because I looked at the reviews after this movie because it's like, man, this thing just did not click for me. Am I, <laughs> what, yeah. What's going on? Am I like missing? And super, super positive review from Roger Ebert. Uh, great one from, I think, Pauline Kael. Uh, somebody at the Times loved it. Called it one of Houston's best. And a lot of them talk about like, it's, it's a, you know, it's really sort of taking the Godfather and twisting it on its head and like, you know, subverting the genre a little bit. And yeah. that's where I think, yeah, it is. But again, like Goodfellas kind of did that for me, you know, and The Sopranos for sure. So, well, yeah, uh, you know, and that's, I and know. I guess that is the thing, you know, we, we kind of get into talking about obviously why some movies feel timeless and some don't. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it does seem like this one, maybe at the time, yeah, felt really refreshing. But now that's just been looked at from every angle. Yeah. Just every possible angle. Yeah. And so I think this this movie definitely just, it just doesn't have the energy of, of something like those other two specifically. And mm-hmm. there's definitely stuff in here that I thought felt dated. Um, just some of the scenery. Like I kind of was left wishing actually that it had been a period piece a little bit. Like I wish it had sure. taken place, say, in like 60s, like. That would have been, or even in the 70s, I think that would have been more interesting, especially having like a female, like a hit woman. Like, that's a really interesting dynamic. And they don't really, like, A, the whole reason she's at the wedding in the first place is because she was hired by the Pritzi family to whack somebody while everybody else was at the wedding so that they would have an alibi. And so because there's already that sort of like insider like she's already into the mix there with the family you never really get like how how did you get into this you know like what and that's also like i mean i was dying for nicholson and her to have that conversation like you know just the two of them like compare notes like talk shop you know (laughs) about killing people which that i think is really interesting and would love to see and like they don't do that they they just simply do not do that I can see why you, that's what you'd be waiting for. I, yeah. I would feel very much the same way. You know, I mean, it's not like two people falling in love and one of them's, you know, like an insurance salesman and the other's like a painter or, you know, a house painter. And like not to put down those professions, but mm-hmm. yeah, you have an initial conversation about what you do and then you move on because it's what you do as people. But, you know, here it's like, no, like you're, you're, these are two very specific things and they each know about what each other does that's illegal from the start. So... Yeah, just get into it. Uh, something else that drove me crazy in this movie was Kathleen Turner lives in Los Angeles, right? Mm-hmm. Nicholson and his whole family is in Brooklyn. So there's at least, I can think of at least three occasions where one or the other, Turner and Nicholson, goes uh, from L.A. to New York or vice versa, where to visualize that transition, you see a plane in the sky and if it's going to LA it's moving from right to left on screen and if it's going from New York to New York it's moving from left to right and I mean 
It could be the same shot flipped. I'm not positive, sure. <laughs> but it's pretty darn close. And it was just like, this just feels really dated right now. Yeah. And I was just like, just cut those out. Right. But here's the reason to watch this movie if you're listening to this and nothing I'm saying is making you excited about watching it because I would understand. I, I kind of want to check it out at some other time now that I sort of know what to expect. I'm very interested in the novel. And in fact, there were three others that followed in this series. So there's a whole, you know, crazy ancestry history that goes on with this family. And that's interesting to me. But the reason is to see it, I think, is Angelica Houston. And unfortunately, she's not in much of the movie. But when she is, she's really interesting. And yeah. I don't know. I, I definitely have not seen, I don't think, many of the other movies that were nominated for Best Supporting Actress other than The Color Purple. And I know there were two people, I think, nominated from that. But yeah, she's really, really good. And it's a fascinating character because... She is the granddaughter of the boss, the Don, right? Mm-hmm. Well, she was engaged to Nicholson, who, yep, you might be thinking, wait a second, aren't they related? They were. Yeah, they're cousins, okay? Mm, okay. But she cheated on him during the engagement, and so the wedding was called off, and she was sort of exiled from the family. So, like, she hasn't spoken to her father in four years. When she comes to the wedding, it's kind of a big deal that she shows up and it's uncomfortable. But she and Nicholson have a really interesting relationship because he's not at all, like, upset about this. Like, he's forgiven her and they get along and he goes to her, like, when he needs advice. And, like, that's the most fascinating dynamic. And I didn't realize, I mean, until I read some of the reviews, like, they were actually an item for a long time. And I think at the time of this movie. And that is, I mean, there's, I think there's way more chemistry between those two people than Nicholson and Turner, especially Mm -hmm. looking back. I have no problem saying she earned her Oscar for this movie. Uh, It sounds like it. I mean, yeah. It definitely would not make my list of Best Picture nominees. (laughs) I'll say that, uh, especially, you know, the movies that I have seen. That would not make it. I I think it is directed well, uh, you know, with a few exceptions of some things that seem extremely dated. It's clearly an interesting script and and plot. I can see why it it drew people in just on the page. But like I say, it just, Mm -hmm. to me, it doesn't have the energy that I think I was hoping for big sort of fun Nicholson performance that I was hoping for. I I found it kind of weird and his accent distracting. And I don't know what else to really say about it. It was a disappointment for me, sorry to say. Hopefully, Craig, you enjoyed your movie a little bit better because that's another one I haven't seen all of. But uh, anything else you want to know about Pritzizan? Do you want me to spoil the ending for you? Because there was something else about that that bothered me. Well, let's, yeah, if you have something to say about it, let's spoil the end. Okay. I don't think this will ruin the movie for you, Craig, if you're going to get around to watching it here. But you got a hit man and a hit woman. It definitely builds that the only way out of their current situation is that one of them has to be alive and the other one doesn't. (laughs) Right? Right. Even though they're married. And so you get this scene where Nicholson shows up and, you know, they had kind of planned to get away like they had tried to make this arrangement with the Prezi family and you know Nicholson had called her and said it's good we're good to go 
um, get your money. I'll come, I'll come see you and, and we'll get out of here. We'll go somewhere else. And so he shows up and we already know that that's, that's not the agreement that he made with the Prezi family. That's just what he told her. And so you get this scene where they're sort of getting ready for bed that night, right? And mm-hmm. you know shit's going to go down. Nicholson's got a knife strapped around his calf underneath his jammy pants, Craig. And Kathleen Turner is uh, removing her makeup for the evening and reveals that she's got a pistol in her makeup bag. She's sitting at the vanity in the bathroom, and then she comes into the room, and he's on the bed, and they look at each other, and they know that the other one knows what's going on. She draws her weapon. This is a woman, mind you, who was hired by this family to kill somebody from California because she's that good. We've seen her blow away a policeman's wife. The gun and the silencer didn't blink, didn't hesitate. Mm-hmm. When she's aiming and shooting at Nicholson, who's on the other side of the room, guess what happens? Can't hit him. She misses. Yeah. And guess what he does? He throws a knife at her and misses? Throws it right through her throat. <laughs> right through her throat. <laughs> yep. And uh, that's pretty much it. Yeah. We end on, I wish I end on Angelica Houston answering the phone call from Nicholson. And this was an interesting ending too, because I've never, I don't know that I've ever seen this before, but it was one of these endings where the exposure got brighter. It was instead of like a fade out, it like the exposure got brighter. And then it's sort of, I don't know if it was a freeze frame or not, but it just kind of cut to black then. Also, I think it's worth checking out the font in this movie because <laughs> it would be in the running for worst, in my opinion, as well. It's oh, a wow. different, like it yeah. looks to me like a TV Western from like the 50s right. or something. It's just weird. It doesn't fit, I don't think. But yeah, that's it. <laughs> so yeah, I, uh, that bothered me that she couldn't hit him. I mean, at least just hit him and not kill him, you know, right? Yeah. Well, and, and I hear you. I, I, I totally hear why that would be. I guess my question would be, is there a good dramatic reason that he had to live i didn't mind that actually i Mm -hmm. i didn't mind that because she definitely was the more dishonest of the two sure you know uh there were a couple things that she had led him to believe that were not actually the case and you know he he's a brizzi he already lives by a code you know just by being involved in the mafia and, and a part of this family i don't know i i didn't mind that he survived i thought that was that was a pretty good decision and yeah. it was very surprising to see the knife go through her throat. <laughs> Not at all where I thought this movie was going. Yeah. Yeah, there you that, go. That does sound, uh, yeah, pretty uh, gory, maybe. So that is Pritzizan. Bravo. Once upon a time, in a tropical island far away, there lived a strange woman. What can you tell me about Kiss of the Spider Woman other than the fact that William Hurt won an Oscar? I can tell you a lot. Okay. And now how many spiders are in it? Are we talking black widows or tarantulas or daddy long legs? That's the only thing I don't want to spoil for okay. you. Okay. Suffice to say, there's a lot of making out between a lot of spiders. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. Okay, good. But I'm not gonna get I'm creepy. that's not gonna be a part of anything creepy. that I talk about okay. here. Yeah. <laughs> it's very <laughs> creepy. First spoiler that I'll give you for this movie is the font is spectacular. In a good way or in a bad if you way? Have a, 
in a really great okay, way. Okay, cool. If, if you have problems with certain fonts in certain movies, this movie sticks with its font. It's a beautiful font. It fits the movie. It's fantastic. Is it the one that's on the poster? or what, It what, is. Okay, yeah, that one I like, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it, and, it, and it's it's there for a reason, mm-hmm. and that makes it even all the better. Oh, okay, cool. So, yeah, so Kiss of the Spider-Woman was fantastic. Good. I think this movie is great. This mm. was my favorite of the two that I watched. Okay. I, I did find one blurb from a from a reviewer who said it has lost none of its power over the years, and it was more deserving of the Best Picture Award than Out of uh, Africa. But let's not. I mean, again, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah. Artistic things. Oddly enough, this movie I felt was more accessible than Out of Africa, which again we'll get to later. They both have really good performances. Yeah. This movie is almost a two-hander. Like, it's just Raul Julia and William Hurt, William Hurt in a cell. There's definitely more to it than that. Okay. Location-wise. But for the most part, it's these two guys. It feels like a play. I, I believe it was a play before it became a movie. And it was a book before it was a play. Hmm. But, yeah, so you've got William Hurt playing uh, Louis Molina. Or Louis Molina. Louis Molina? Anyway. He's a transgender person. Identifies as she. She's in prison for having sex with an underage boy. Wow. So... Yeah. Drama you're right off the pretty, bat. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah, you're knee deep in it. And uh, and she's in a shell. shell. She's in a shell by the seashore. <laughs> Tell me more about the shell. Okay. Mm-hmm. She's in a cell with uh, an activist, a revolutionary uh, activist uh, played by Raul Julia. One of the best parts of this movie is the fact that, and the thing I was really worried about was going to make it horrible to watch was however well William Hurt would be able to pull off this character. Now, let me ask Thank again. You, um, you maybe said yeah. it, because I've okay. seen bits and pieces of mm-hmm. this movie, and specifically him, but I don't remember. Is he playing an American? What is his nationality in this movie? I I couldn't figure that okay. out. He, he comes across 100% American. Okay. He looks absolutely as European as you can look. Right. But his name is Louis Molina. That's, yeah. So I, okay. Every time they said his name, I said, what? he's like, that's like Doug Smith. That's not <laughs> Louis Molina. <laughs> like, yeah. there's nothing about that guy. Unless he changed his name, and maybe that's something I might not have gotten. He certainly Could've, is. Yeah. Could have fit. Yeah. The character, she certainly is wrapped up enough in like drama and movies and stuff like that, that she totally could have changed her name. And that, that could have just been something I missed. I don't know how I would have missed it, but you know, I'm not. Very smart. So, True. continue. So we start off with these two in, in in this cell, and William Hurt is describing a movie to Raul Julia, and this is something that will carry throughout the entire movie. Every now and again, whether it's to uh, uh, calm someone down or allay worries and fears or something, or just to pass the time. William Hurt will describe these movies. And so when uh, she describes it, you see the movie. And it's clearly shot for the... Like, it doesn't okay. look like an old okay, movie okay. at all. I mean, it does. They, they tried to make it look like one, but it's just the thing where you can tell it's not. Well, so you've got these two in a cell. They haven't been in the cell very long. They don't know each other very well yet. But what's so great about it is... And I feel it's just different from... I mean, honestly, so many movies we've just watched from 1985. Yeah. 
there is no homophobia coming from Raul Julia. Yeah. And and that in and of itself is so refreshing. <laughs> yeah. Like just that. It's a like, remarkable like, change from uh once yeah. bitten, right? Like yeah, it it, it like there's no like, oh, you think you're a woman? You know, like there's nothing like that. Like there's just total acceptance that this is a human being. Yeah, it's great. And the only time he says things, like he will say things to press buttons mm-hmm. when they get angry at each other. But but like it's it's never like, oh, what a weirdo. You know, it's none of that. And and it's and it's it becomes very sweet. Like as you go along, like you just love these two characters. Anyway, and so one of the best bits here is is that William Hurt's describing this movie to uh to the cellmate who is a revolutionary uh-huh. right who's this activist leftist uh <clears throat> activist and the more he describes it the more it becomes clear that this is a nazi propaganda film oh wow but but you know for for Didn't uh, see that coming. uh for, yeah. yeah exactly well but for william hurt you don't care about any of that she doesn't care about any of that yeah. she only cares about the romance that's happening and she's so caught up in the romance mm. that she's totally overlooking all the stuff that's like the nazis and all that stuff wow and and it's just so great like like raul is trying to like convince her like this is a this is a nazi propaganda film. like i don't want to hear about this this is horrible yeah. she's like no no, and, no no just let me tell you about yeah and and she just totally focuses on the on the romance of it and it's and it's that uh, I, kind of encapsulates what I love about this movie. Like, there's so much of that kind of thing happening. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but but there's also just a, 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 a there's a real plot happening as well okay. because it turns out that there are that the 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 folks who run the jail and the police are trying to find out some information from Raúl Julia through Luis Molina. So interesting. Luis is supposed to be spying yeah. on Raul Julia, and she is then sort of caught in the middle because she starts to have feelings for him. Okay, and is trying to, you know, play. It's trying to play the warden and the cops in order to make things better for Valentine. Because like they're they're they've done everything like they, I I think they they've they've poisoned the food. There are a couple times where they're sick because the food's been poisoned Jeez. and like it's it's it's, it's really terrible stuff. Yeah. And like there's somebody there's somebody they've just brought into the jail that they are beating and they know that uh, like they're they're torturing every day and they know that Valentine is watching and they're trying to get the information from Louis about who the person is that they have. They don't know who it is that they have uh-huh. and they figure Valentine must be mentioning who this is. And so, so you get this great plot that starts happening and, and you know, like the whole time, like no one cares about Louis Molina. Like oh, really? just in the sense that, well, except for Valentin, Valentin does. I mean, do you have a sense of uh, like what he did to end up there? Who Valentin? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. You know, you know, you know exactly I mean, why. the scale of his crime, if it is a crime. Oh yeah. His, his crime is almost nothing. He gave yeah. okay. a passport to another revolutionary okay. to get out of the country. And, and I mean, and then he's just like whisked away by three. uh, Yeah. It's really not bad. Okay. Okay. As far as like having (laughs) sex with underage kids. Yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah, His is not nearly as bad, but, but it's, it's, you know, the corrupt Brazilian government is trying to like crack down on these guys. And I mean, he's like from the, from the first frame, like he's just got, he's laying on his bed and that's why 
Luis is, is telling him the, the movie, I now realize, <laughs> is because Valentin has just been beaten mercilessly. Oh, geez. Right. And and so the first time you see him, he's got his back to the camera. He's just laying on his cot mm-hmm. and like the back of his shirt looks sweaty. That's all you can see. And he's kind of like listening to this story about the, the movie. Wow. So, yeah, so the, the movie goes on and they, they get to know each other a little better. But, you know, there's always kind of this uh, just this oppressive force. I mean, obviously, they're, they're in this horrible jail. It's just disgusting anyway. All they ever get from the guards to eat are just these plates of black beans. And at least twice, <clears throat> you know, one or the other of them is horribly sick. At some point, Valentin shits his pants. Oh, geez. And, and, and as far as diarrhea scenes in 1985 go, yeah. and we've had several of them now. Oh, we have, haven't we? Yeah. This is, Sean, this is the most touching diarrhea scene. I mean, like, wow. I, I, I like honestly can say that. Like, this is a- <laughs> Remember, Demon and his girlfriend oh. were singing to each other while he was taking a dump. In uh, Listen, Friday the Thirteenth, the New Beginning, absolutely more absolutely. than that. Wow, that's a close. It's a close <laughs> second. I'll give you that. Okay, but I mean, this this really is like this is like the scene where where you really feel this connection form like right in front of you. Man, that's how you take this it up. Bond and forms yeah. between these two men. It's fantastic. Like it's just I, I don't know. Like the, the 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 characters, the the way they're played. I mean, it's great. So yeah. So then they have this bond after the whole diarrhea episode as one does as as one only could uh it's either that or you're not going to talk to each other anymore let me ask you something and and you yeah. may be about to explain this anyway mm-hmm. yeah how much of this movie is literally set in this one location like are they getting I out of say... the cell i mean are there, is there like a larger prison at work here or no yeah they're, they're almost never out of the cell oh, wow as long as they're in i, I would say it's probably 60 40 60 set inside the prison cell okay. and, and 40 outside. So there's actually more outside than you might okay. think. And on then all the like little clips of the movie or whatever, is that like an Clips addition? of the movie, you're out. Yeah. Whenever Louis is talking to the warden, you're out. Oh, okay, yeah. And and flashbacks. You'll see flashbacks. Gotcha, of okay. I wondered how they were. You know, like, Valentine yeah. and all that. It's yeah. hard to stay in that um, one location <clears throat> for an entire movie, I would imagine, for pretty much <laughs> any, anything, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, and that's another great little touch of it is that so Valentine <clears throat> talks about one time where he's being tortured, and because uh, because Luis is is asking about his does he have girlfriends does he have girls, and Valentine is talking about this one girl and I can't remember who he said her name was but then Luis asks well who's Marta, and Valentine is just like shocked like how do you know anything about Marta. Yeah. He says, "Well, you talk, you've talked about Marta in in your sleep." And Valentine says, "Yeah, it's it's really strange. Like, I I love I love my wife, but when I'm being tortured and I feel like I'm about to die, I start thinking about Marta, and she's the one who who has gotten me through this whole thing." Ah. And I think so. Is she the one that got away, or what's her story? Kind of, yeah. yeah. It's, okay. it's like she was like, because you have a, you have this flashback later about he he needs to go off and do something for the for the movement. And I think it's when he's going to go give the this guy the um, the passport, mm-hmm. and she says, "I can't have you doing this. Like, like, you know, basically someday you're not going to come home, and I can't live like that." Yeah. And then she says, "If you go now, don't come back." And he's like, "I have to go." And he goes, so he's thinking about her. So whenever Louise is talking about the movies, and he's telling his movie stories, what you're seeing is what 
Valentin is seeing in his head, and Marta is the main woman okay. in those stories. That's cool. That's a neat device. There's a lot, yeah, there, and there's kind of a lot going on there, because then, because then Marta's in love with a Nazi. Oh yeah, yeah. and, and yeah, yeah, there's so there's there's a lot of layers to kind of pick through. I have not picked through them all. I'm very at a superficial stage right yeah, now. It's okay with with really enjoying this movie, but keep it simple. Yeah, I don't want to. I, I don't want to spoil the end. Should I spoil the end? You can. I guess so. I'm trying to think if I have anything. Again, like I said, I haven't picked through all the layers. It's true. The ending felt right. But at the same time, I couldn't, uh, I don't know, I couldn't place how, so what happens is. <laughs> you caved. Good. Yeah, Louis, Louis goes to the warden. and he says, I think I know how to make Valentin talk. And what I want you to do is, is uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go tell him that it turns out I'm going to be paroled and they're going to move me out of here in 24 hours. Mm-hmm. You know, if he feels like I'm the last person he can talk to, maybe he'll tell me all this stuff. And the warden says, all right. So then they have this last night together where Louis, what all Louis really does is confess that he's in love with Valentine. Oh. And is it a and genuine confession or? It is, it is definitely a, as far as I'm concerned. Okay. Again, haven't gone through the layers. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it, for me, it played definitely like a very genuine thing because, I mean, throughout the thing, you've kind of been hearing Louis talk about how, <clears throat> you know, how he's tried to profess love to people yeah. who just, don't get it and you know how 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 he he just dreams of having a real man and and just just being so wrapped up in these movies this nazi propaganda film and only caring about the romance yeah you know and so valentine says all right well let's let's sleep together so valentine blows out a candle yeah and then everything goes black and we cut to the next day it wasn't a very raw sort of you know porn the way you would well, like yes. but thank you but again like it's it's like it's you you get to this point and you're like i totally believe everything that's happening right yeah this is a very sweet moment now like like you were cleaning up diarrhea 20 minutes ago and now here, here yeah, we are valentine is yeah. like yeah so so louis doesn't get any information but then he is paroled it's like your parole actually did come through wow. and louis is like oh my god and so they send him out and then, but then you realize they just sent him out to surveil him and see if he leads them to valentine's people mm. and he almost does because it turns out valentine has told him there's this phone number i want you to call and like tell them this information or something uh-huh. and so it's very confusing at this you point you can leave it there if you want to i i think i'll leave it there because that's i'm pretty intrigued yeah yeah it's a it's a worthy ending nice it makes sense and it doesn't make sense. If there's a lot again to pick through, I just I, I loved this. Like I could, I mean I could watch William Hurt and Raul Julia all day long. Like th- those two are just incredible. yeah. And I I need to, to dive into this at some point, and maybe we'll we'll talk about mm-hmm. it again. But uh, do you have any knowledge about how William Hurt came to be the guy in that role? Because it does seem like an odd choice in some ways. Yeah, obviously I it worked. Don't. <laughs> yeah, worked out yeah. well for everybody. Um, yeah, there's nothing that really leads to that. I, I would love to know that myself. Yeah. It's worth noting this is the first film that was nominated for Best Picture that was independently produced. Yeah, the director did not speak much English. So again, I'm yeah, I'm kind of wondering like how did how did William Hurt end up involved? Yeah, with the this? box office mojo I'm looking here has the studio name listed as Island Alive, and uh, the only other hmm. movie I recognize there is Koyana Skatsi, the 
documentary. But yeah. yeah, I mean that that's great, and also I mean this is fifty third on the year at the box office, so considerably lower than Pritzi's Honor was thirty two, and the other yeah. other ones that were nominated, I think as we mentioned, were all in the top ten. So yeah, I, I think in some ways a movie that just they couldn't ignore. Uh, it must be that good, you know. It really, yeah, it really. I feel like it really is because yeah. I don't think, yeah, you don't have anyone in there. That was going to like pull you into the movie, mm-hmm. if if you don't normally watch this kind of movie, you know. So it's and yeah, most it people don't. Like, this movie's so good. Yeah, <laughs> it does not sound like one <laughs> that's, that's true. Yes, made for the masses, clearly. Yeah, but I would, man, I thoroughly recommend. Yeah, if you haven't seen this mm-hmm. one, it's it's. Would great. you watch it with your parents? No, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so we recommend it to draw everyone. The line okay, there. yeah. I mean, I could definitely get through this with my sure. parents. There's no question about yeah. that. Well, yeah. You're a grown-ass uh, man. But I, I mean, wouldn't. Well. Yeah. It, it, it would, I, I would feel weird, though, coming in and say, guys, guys, <laughs> let's watch this. Like, if it just happened to yeah. be on TV, that's another story. Yeah. Well, yeah. it sounds awesome. I got to see it. It seems so intriguing, and just the setup is, is yeah. fantastic. And, yeah, what a great, like, simple concept there for, you know, mm-hmm. even in comparison to Preetzi's Honor, where you've, you're, you're pitting two people that, you know, have interesting careers, at least here, it's just sounds like two polar opposites and put them in a very tight space and, and just just let things happen. And also yeah. probably about as polar opposite as you could get from out of Africa. Yes. It's an odd feeling. Farewell. Men go off to be tested for courage. And if we are tested at all, it's for patience. This is the story of Karen Blixen, who is a real woman, or was, I believe she's dead at this point. Uh, but she wrote the book Out of Africa and other writings, and I think it was based upon her life. Directed by Sidney Pollack, who won the Oscar, as we mentioned. This is 20th century colonial Kenya. A Danish baroness slash plantation owner has a passionate love affair with a free-spirited big game hunter i don't think the passionate love affair side of that synopsis does this movie a huge favor because and even i don't know we'll Mm -hmm. get into it but even the poster here i mean it definitely looks like it's selling you a movie that is going to be very heavy on redford and streep together Mm -hmm. and in love and I felt like that happened much later and in a much smaller moment sort of affair, I guess. Like, smaller moments, if you will. Yes. Yeah, and small is a, is is kind of a good word. Yeah, uh, it really is with this one. <laughs> yeah, in a weird way, because it, it it's weird. a big sweeping movie. There's lots of epic shots. Mm-hmm. So you feel like you, like it's, it's on this big canvas, beautifully shot. Really great performance, I think, by Meryl Streep. Yeah. Who, who more than anything kept me going in the in the tough spots yeah but yeah yeah exactly like it, it never felt it never felt like the emotions were as big as that canvas i like, wrote the same thing i said the landscape is grandiose but the moments are small that's my yeah. two cents of a review here uh totally agree with you and i think the running time plays a part in this and we'll just should put it right out there out front if you haven't seen this and again i'll put the call out let me know if you have because i don't know anybody <laughs> yeah, who talks about, about this people movie. Who, yeah. yeah it's two hours and 41 minutes according to this i feel like on amazon it was showing a slightly shorter time than that but mm-hmm. I, we should trust imdb right because they're always. always trustworthy 
And this this movie is very demanding of your attention. It moves very, very slowly, mm-hmm. and it covers a lot of time. There are things that are easily missed that are important, and yet, like we're saying, like they are not given a grand stage of importance. Mm-mm. And we'll get to it, but yeah, there is a death at the end of the movie that I had to rewind to figure out, wait, what happened exactly? And uh, I'm <laughs> right. glad I did. Yeah, I would recommend breaking this movie into parts. I think this is one of those movies that you absolutely would not be faulted for watching in separate sittings, you know, mm-hmm. tackling an hour at a time, perhaps. I did that. I also think watch it with the subtitles if you're going to sit down and watch. I think that is a freaking must because mm-hmm. I had a hard time making out some of the things. And obviously, this is set in Kenya, and so there's a lot of local color and just words and terminology and, and tribe names and, and places thrown about that, you know, just seeing the word on the screen kind of helps you make sense of, of exactly what they're talking about, I think. Yeah. And also, yeah, Streep is playing a Danish woman. And that accent is very deliberate. And, oh, yeah. you know, it's it's very, very good. Rock solid. Yeah. I mean, she never wavers, obviously. Uh, I found it a little distracting, I got to admit. I mean, sure. uh, and like that's the weirdest thing to say. It's like, I think she's giving an amazing performance. But it's still, it's just like, uh, I don't know. It's like you watch it from a distance and it seems like she's the only one that's putting that kind of effort yeah. <laughs> into doing something like that. And you just like you know, end up asking, well, like, why didn't they just get like a Danish woman to do this? You know, because everybody else is, uh, seems like they're playing their own nationality, you know? Exactly. Those are some of the hurdles I think you kind of got to, you got to get over if you're going to get into this one and give it a chance. But yeah. let's just talk about, like, what did you think about this movie overall? I mean, besides just the sort of, like, moment small kind of thing. Right. Can you say whether or not you liked, you loved, you, you thought this movie was great, you hated it? We'll, sa- we'll save whether or not this should be the best picture of the year. We'll save that for the end of the discussion. Sure. So um, yeah, we'll skip that for now. I can't really hate a movie like this. Yeah. It's certainly... It's certainly well intentioned. Mm-hmm. Again, like there's good acting to be had. There are a few rock solid moments. It's it's beautiful to look at. I think uh, there's a lot of green screen in weird places. Very strange, isn't it? There are some strange. I mean, there are a few that's like, oh, I get why that's green screen, but there are some that I don't yeah. know. I, I mean, I do understand, but they they seem oddly placed. Uh, where characters well, are just sitting down outside and it's a green screen, yes. although they've been actually outside for most of the time. Yeah, the opening in is in Denmark, and there's snow, and like yeah, yeah, they're out there, and then all the wide shots appear to be them in the location, yeah. and then you go to close up, and this is uh, they're in a Street, studio. Yeah, Streep and Klaus and Maria Brando. I don't know if it's just like too cold or what, but yeah, it's so strange. I was like, well, I, is this you know, green screen or am I looking? Is it just we, like a weird transfer? This is totally green screen, without question. Yeah, totally green screen, and, and I think. Um, you know, and, and I think this goes along with something I read was that the first cut of the movie was 220 minutes, mm-hmm. and that Pollock said no one's ever going to want to watch it. Like that's going to be the most <laughs> boring yeah. thing in the world. I mean, yeah. Which is one of those th- reasons you love Pollock, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm he, glad he, he had definitely the... gets it. I feel like there are a lot of cuts throughout the movie that mm-hmm. feel feel a little stuttery to me, just meaning that like it just feels like, oh man, we really cut that scene off. Yeah. Like everything was fine and then it seemed like someone was just like, okay, that's all we need to know. Boom. And I wonder if the uh, so the green screen scene was something they had to shoot like months afterwards 
and they're like, we need to bridge these two parts. Okay. We need to like, so let's, let's get all this spiel out about the wedding, blah, 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 marriage, whatever. And we'll do that in front of a green screen and then we'll keep moving. You know, what's funny though, is like, that still didn't make a ton of sense to me. (laughs) No. You know, in that scene, like I definitely. No, I didn't get the marriage stuff. I didn't either. Like uh, most of that opening in Denmark, it's interesting, but it, yeah, I think it's stuff that you piece together later on. And I kind of like that. Okay. You know. But but it's like, you know, and then you're just asking, well, all that green screen did was just distract me then. And so it's like, yeah, all the, was. you know, you're the whole purpose, if that's supposed to like help give that exposition out there, like it just, it, it failed twice, I think. Yeah. You know? Well, uh, and that's interesting that you say that because I had to rewind within the first couple minutes of the movie. Yeah. Because they're, they're out there, they're, 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 uh, whatever, shooting pheasants or something. Yeah, I think so. And... She walks up to a man who is her lover, mm-hmm. and I can't remember what she said to him. Oh, like oh, oh uh, I didn't realize you would be here, or something like that. Right. And it's and it seems like he says something like, "Oh yeah, are you having fun?" And she's like pissed at him for it. And I mean, I didn't get any of that. <laughs> yeah, I, I must I was, have watched that a couple times. Lost. Like, why is she reacting that way? I can't, I can't tell. So I was already like really thrown at the beginning. There's some voiceover in there too, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. from an older Karen Blixen. Yes. And you're sort of like setting up the fact that that most of this movie is going to be a flashback of you know she. Right. I had a farm in Africa once. Yeah. I mean, that's your sort of entryway into the whole thing. So, yeah, I, I was a little, like, thrown off, yeah, just by the details of, of the arrangement, her and her suitors, if you will, in mm-hmm. in Denmark, and then that coupled, I think, with the voiceover and just the timeline of it all was a bit, yeah, it was, it's a bit jarring, I think. It is, and, and kind of without that, or maybe going along with that, is I think what I struggled with the most in this movie and just trying to, like, keep my head in the game most of the time was... I didn't understand either. I didn't understand what the stakes were that we that that we needed to be paying attention to, uh-huh. or those stakes were so small that they didn't matter. And I I, I really never could because it never felt like I know like she was supposed to be super in love with Robert Redford at some point, and yeah, they seemed kind of passionate about each other. But like like was it her dream to have a coffee farm? I didn't feel like it. Was it? I, I don't know. There was it definitely all, wasn't. Yeah. Like I, I couldn't ever figure out like what, what was I supposed to hang my hat on? I, and I was having a, a big problem with that. Like I, I like the fact that you know we have this character who, who looks at everything as, as if she owns it, speaks yeah. of everything as if she's mm-hmm. owning it, and that like that's really interesting. And, and you see that progression in her character throughout the movie where she kind of gets to a place where she's like, no, it's not about the things I own, you know. Well, but but even so, I don't feel like that was a. It's almost it's like there wasn't a big deal made of it. No, and I I think you're you're right about that. I do have some insight, at least for me, about what I kind of took away from it by the end of it, and kind of <laughs> was was hanging my my hat on here was this idea of a woman who, you know, she literally asked the question to Robert Redford at one point. It was like, why is your freedom more important than mine? And yeah. I think by the end of this, I was like, this is actually like a really strong feminist thing here and, and mm-hmm. really kind of fascinating and watching. I mean, it's a character study, basically. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what it is. It's like it's really just about this woman, like even like some of her wants and like the thing about the farm and all these things. Some of that stuff, it just was continuously dictated to her. And yet she 
played a part in all of it because she couldn't help but fall in love with some of these guys, you know, that she got mm -hmm. entangled with. And then there was another thing where there's a young woman who I don't remember her name. I have no idea who she was. She just shows oh, yeah. up at the house one day, right? And you yeah. get that they're kind of friends and she is asking Karen, she says, I don't know much about men. I want them to like me, but I want to be left alone too. And I was like, I mean, that in some ways is sort of the opposite of who she was, right? But, you know, because she kept latching on to these men, you know, Robert Redford and Klaus Maria Brandauer, her husband, Brewer, who are continuously leaving. Mm -hmm. And then she's left alone to kind of run this thing. And she's, she takes charge of that. And she takes control totally of that and yeah. does it well. And so the things that attract her to these men in some ways are their their freedom, you know, and, and it's mm -hmm. the fact that they are independent men and, and kind of do their own. And, like, that's also the thing that breaks her heart continuously, you know? Sure. And so, I, I don't know, I just, I, I think this is a really good movie that's really hard to get into, you know? I mean, it's a yeah. strange thing to say, like, and I, I don't know... Um, how and on earth it finished in the top 10 at the box office. Like I have to yeah. imagine there were some people that went and saw this that were just like, what the hell did I just sit through? Sure. <laughs> I just sat through two and a half hours of what? Well, I mean, honestly, this exact movie comes out right now. I think you're not even die, in, Oscars yeah. or not. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're not, you're not, you know, you're, you're not even touching the top 100. I don't think. Um, no. Maybe if you've got like a yeah, performance, like, the one that Streep gives, and that's the thing that like gets the most attention. But it really is like oh, I man. think if if you're gonna watch this movie, also look at it as her story. Like forget the Redford crap and like the relationship. Yeah. I mean, but that is a huge part of her story. But it's only like a small part of the story at the same time. Like it's well, I, I was gonna say, yeah. I don't feel like it is. I feel like yeah. that's that's kind of I think maybe what tripped me up is like the yeah. way this movie has always been sold. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, Redford is definitely a very important, like, philosophical voice in her story, but he's not really, not really that important to the story. Well, not only that, dude, I'll tell you this, like, our first sort of cut twos of Africa from Denmark are her on a train, and she's mm -hmm. making her way across this continent or whatever to Kenya, yeah. and the train stops and she meets Redford, who's loading ivory tusk, and like we'll get into all that too. <laughs> yeah, uh, onto this train, and I'm like, okay, here we go. I know she, I think, is engaged or marrying. The reason she's going to Africa is to be with Klaus Maria Brandauer, mm -hmm. her husband. I, I know that at least. I think. Right. Yeah. And she meets Redford on the before she even gets to where her husband. I don't know. Actually, they're not even married yet. They're right. That's right. They're engaged. Right. I'm like, okay, here we go. This is the guy that she's supposed to be with, Redford, right. right? I mean, that makes sense if you've ever seen a movie, right? Right, of course. And not only does that not happen for a very long time, but she then, like, grows increasingly fond of the Brandauer character. Yeah. Like, even after, like, she, like again, like, he, they get married within an hour of her being there, and then I think he turns around and leaves the next day the day after and he's like you know he, yeah he's gone he'll be back when it rains and she's like well yeah. what time is it supposed to start raining it's like oh it could be many many days and it's like right. oh like what did he just do <laughs> like what is this marriage here 
Um, And so I thought, well, this is just more, uh, the more reason for us to feel sympathetic when she's going to end up with Redford, right? Sure. And it kind of is. Yeah. But it's kind of not, you know, it's sort of like you still, you don't end up necessarily hating Brandauer, although he does give her syphilis. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's just, yeah, the relationships, and I, I think what's interesting about them is that they're almost like anti-romantic movie, you know, mm-hmm. like this is not like, I was even thinking about like, you know, the most sort of like modern thing I could think of that I've seen is like the English patient. Right. Um, you know, maybe that Zemeckis movie allied had some of that with Pitt and Cotillard, but like, this is not that man. Like it's just, um, I mean, they do get caught up with one another, but it's still, it's, it's not, it doesn't play out the way that you would expect like this sort of big romantic drama to do so. And that's why, again, like I just, what I came back to was, this is a story of this woman's journey. And like, she went through so much disappointment, like from the word go in a lot of ways. And yet she sort of ends up, being stronger by the end of it, even though she sort of has to give up this thing that she's grown to love, this farm in Africa, and has to go back home and against her will. And you get that very nice scene where the men, all these British colonialist assholes, (laughs) basically, you know, raping and exploiting and pillaging this land for their own farms, won't let her into their little bar room at the club or wherever they are. And then at the very end, they ask her to come in uh, to basically toast her uh, with a drink. And I appreciated that scene a lot, actually. I thought it was pretty interesting. So, yeah, I don't know. It's a movie I I think I like in hindsight more than than I like the experience of watching it. And that's, uh, yeah, I don't know what to to kind of make of that. I don't, and I don't even know if rewatching it would improve my feeling or just, it would just be the exact same thing. It would just be like, well, this is kind of a chore to get through, but it's good. Right. Well, you know? honestly, yeah, listening to you talk about it, I'm liking it a little more. Yeah. Because, again, I, th- I think certainly the way it had always seemed to be sold, like I was thought I was walking into, like, Bridges of Madison County. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or, good... or something where the and, – and, and it's not. Like, their their relationship is – her relationship with, with, with Redford plays out more realistically. Mm-hmm between two people who really have so many different ideas about how things should work. Oh my God. Like that's not going to be something that's going to burn bright. And then, you know, Oh, I have to go off to war. Oh no. You know, like, no, they're going to fall apart because they are built to fall apart. Like they're not going to. So, and and that is, that's definitely admirable for this movie. And like, I kind of wish, I don't know. I always think it's shitty to say, man, if it was just 30 minutes shorter, but like, yeah i do wonder if there's other places you could tighten that up and keep like i don't know what the length of that movie does to help her journey because i yeah. don't feel like it's that necessarily that epic a journey it's um, not and it's and and yet i'm sitting here and like i don't i don't know 30 i don't know what 30 minutes i would cut sure, sure. <laughs> i don't like I, I mean there's a few things that that certainly are well, there just would, to add uh okay go ahead yeah I, I would do I would keep the the hunting part at the beginning, then I keep all the lion attacks and the burning, and then your credits out. Done. Wow. Okay, that's yeah, an interesting just nonstop movie. action. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but out uh, of Africa. <laughs> speaking of which, though, 
the lion stuff, the animal Holy stuff was incredible. Cow. Like there's the one bit where they're on safari, right? And, and yeah. the, the car they're in breaks down and he gets out and yells shoo at this enormous herd of water buffalo. Yeah. And they just, and they start running away. And that it's was like, an amazing shot. Yeah. How the hell did you get that shot? Yeah. Like what was going in? And then, and they have these lions, they have, they have this great stuff of these lions attacking and the, the, the people going after the lions with whips. That and lion and attack, like, yeah. I and then like it's an attack on uh cattle, on an ox. Mm-hmm. I was just like, it seems like no one, nothing is safe in this scene right now. <laughs> like the yeah, people, the imagine. animals. Like, I felt like yeah. The lions. It's, it seemed like yeah, how how could you guarantee anyone's safety <laughs> on that set? I mean, like, it seemed oh like Meryl was right and like some of that stuff is behind her, so I'm guessing that's probably a stunt double, but Man, very it, convincing. It's convincing, and it, yeah. these people are close. Yeah, and uh, it looked at. I mean, the, the lion is definitely trying to eat something on the ground, oh, yeah. whether that's a real ox or not. I don't know, but it was drawn to something over there, and it keeps trying to get back, and they're trying to get it to go away. And it's a night, and it's uh, it's intense and done so well. I mean, and like, it yeah, is. I think you mentioned up front, like, yes, I mean, some of the landscape photography in this movie is ridiculous. And like, mm-hmm. this is also, it's a very green Africa and it's a, mm-hmm. it's a hilly mountainous Africa. And it's not even like the poster I'm looking at it is like a washed and like they pumped the golden filter on Instagram oh, or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's not that at all. Like it's a, no. it's a very beautiful country and, and it's, you're not, surrounded by animals you're not surrounded by there's very little any sense of a town or community it's mm-hmm. you were out there like she owns a farm and you're out there and in it mm-hmm. it's beautiful and it's really i don't know that i've seen i've necessarily seen like that setting before per se yeah and i really appreciated that and i do think it kind of adds by the end of it where you know, you talk about like, yeah, her journey is not that epic, but I felt the sense of loss of having to leave there. Like, I got it. You know, I understood yeah. that in her position, I probably would want to stay as well. And the reason she can't is because there was a fire and it did basically burn up. I don't know that it because she's growing coffee. I don't I mean, it burned up some of the buildings, obviously. So some of her possessions were lost. But as far as like ruining her crop or anything like that, I don't remember the details exactly. But it's kind of like the final injustice yeah. uh, that she suffers. Well, not the final injustice because then Redford dies. Spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, But, yeah, I mean, that's the reason she ends up going home. And, I mean, you know, she, she basically has a yard sale, <laughs> which is yeah. ah, so sad. Uh, Wh- and, which is great. Yeah. And, like, and not to mention, like, the I think it was the scene before the fire happens is a scene of her, like, looking at the. I think it is. It was like her looking at the coffee and like, oh, the coffee's like, this is doing great. Yeah. Like, and, and it just seems like everything is in full swing and then that thing burns to the ground. Yeah. And I even liked how, if I'm not mistaken, one of the uh, servants, I don't know if it was Juma or whoever, came in and you've seen the fires happening and he comes to wake her up and I think he, he says like God is calling or something. I can't remember the line. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's really interesting. That's a good line. Speaking of the servants. Uh, yeah, some of the locals. Uh, actually, I guess the guy's name was Farah. It was Malik Bowens played one of them. And yeah, I thought I thought those guys were good and interesting. And Oh, yeah. I don't know. Let's talk about that for a second a little bit because 
I mean, obviously, this is this is happening in the backdrop of, as we mentioned, you know, the Brits. They have moved in and they have taken the land, and they yeah. are the ones that have money and are hiring the people to be their servants. And you know, they're hunting and cutting off elephant tusks and shipping them out. Right. And here she comes, the Baroness. With her husband, and they're going to grow a coffee farm, even though all the locals are saying you can't grow coffee this high in elevation. But what did you think about the handling of that? Because, you know, it's one of those situations where it's very easy. We've seen before where it's like, oh, these are the one sympathetic white people, you know, white person right. on the on the entire continent during this time. Right. <laughs> you know? And I don't know. What did, what did you make of, of how they handled some of that stuff? Well, I was trying to figure that out. I struggled with that throughout the whole movie. And by the end, I was kind of like, it, it feels like Pollock is just going for this is how it was. So yeah, you don't really have someone who's a champion who's like, we can't take these people's land. You know, I'm going to run everyone out of here. We must give them back everything that we've taken. Like, that's no, not Redford's not as close as you get to that. And his is just like, no, we don't own we don't own anything here. Like this Exactly. Is, yeah. Like, we're passing through. None of this is yours. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely taking advantage of the situation as well, so. Yeah. But, yeah, exactly. But he doesn't necessarily uh, endorse it. Right. But, but like, but like a lot of white folks, he's also not fighting it. Yeah. At the same time, and correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, no one is brutalized in this movie. No. Which I think is also kind of important. Yeah. Because you still have to sit there and recognize how wrong all of this is going mm-hmm. on in the background. Yep. Like it's it's real bad. And and like the closest we get to anyone fighting for anyone is our heroine at the end kneeling before the new uh man in charge, the new British guy who's gonna be running Kenya, I guess. Yeah. And begging him, give these people land, not even their own land back. But give these people land because, like, I, you know, I said I was going to take care of them and I can't. And I'm leaving. Right. And But they deserve land. And, like, that's as close as you get. And I felt like, wow, that's not going very far considering how wrong all of this is. Like, that's not going very far. But it feels absolutely true. Yeah. Like that, at the time, would be earth-shaking. Yeah, not only that. I mean, I think there's the, the mention of she's at least inquiring about mm-hmm. the idea of opening up some sort of school because she thinks it's important right. for people to know how to read. And yeah. that is met with a very stern <laughs> level of disagreement from a lot of the Brits there, the men. And mm-hmm. and the chief. Yeah, and I was going to say, I like somewhat how it's I handled because, yeah. you know, part of it was like, no, they don't, that's not how they learn like that's not you know because there's this whole bit about like she's a storyteller and like red i think redford even says like they've got thousands of stories like it's not like they're not remembering their history if they don't write it down and can't read it it's just that they they, it's a verbal history it's an oral history you know yeah i liked some of that i think that you know it's just part of like opening her eyes a little bit in the process of of her africa adventure here Mm -hmm. but um i don't know I, i mean on the one hand You've got Streep at the very end, like saying her final goodbye to to Farah, her basically the guy that's sort of running the house, yeah, the Kenyan. And 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how that moment would actually look in real life. Like, would that guy, <laughs> is that guy sad to see her go? Uh, is, is he sad because maybe it's a loss of income? Right. Or is it neither here nor there? It's just like, thank God I don't have to work for that lady again. You know, and yeah. that's obviously not the relationship they have in this movie. And it's it's not overly sentimental by any stretch of the imagination. No. I mean, she basically just says, I want to hear you say my actual name, like instead of calling me madam, basically. Right. Like we're equals. Yeah. yeah. I didn't mind that. I didn't mind. I kind of liked that there's a young boy that, you know, had a leg infection early on in the movie that she talks into going to the hospital and then coming to work for her as a cook. And by the end of the movie, he wants to go with her. And he's like, they don't have cooks where you live. And I, I liked it the way that she ended up. It was like, you wouldn't like where I live. And like, I again, yeah. like, I felt like, oh, yeah. she's absolutely right. Like, you can't go from this place and go into like some place like Europe, you know, high society yeah. Europe and Definitely be happy. A there. tip of the hat to the, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought that was cool. And then it was also kind of nice that there's another British character. Um, where is that guy? Berkeley Cole, played by Michael mm-hmm. Kitchen. You know, he's just kind of like a guy that hangs around with Redford, and he's basically a good friend, I think, to Kieran, more or less. There's never any sort of like romantic thing between the two of them. But he also gets sick and dies later in this movie, and around that time you find out that he more or less has had a Somali wife, I think, for about four years that nobody else knew about. And that to me was one of those where like, you better believe like that kind of stuff happens, you know. Mm Mm-hmm whether they were completely uh, mutual relationships or not between uh, local and British yeah. colonizer. Oof. At least it was acknowledged, I think, in this. Yeah. It paints a pretty complicated picture a little bit that I think would be slightly different if it were done today. I think, you know, it might be a little, uh, it might lean a little more one way or not. I don't know. Sure. It's it's still one where you would love to know more about the locals and <laughs> And see a little yeah. more of a character development amongst one of them. You know, there's not a real good, solid set of dialogue conversations between any of the locals and right. any of the Brits about anything other than that's you know, work, more or less. Well, it kind of got me to thinking about, you know, what would what would Out of Africa look like through the eyes of those guys? Yeah, no kidding. You know? Yep. You were just with them and yeah, yeah. seeing it that way. And it's but, also yeah. interesting um, when Streep and Redford are kind of having their affair, more or less. You know, he wants to take her and show her parts of the country that she hadn't seen. And they, of course, you know, the, the, the servants go with them. You know, they're the ones, they're, the Sherpas doing a lot of the work there and finding places mm-hmm. to camp and, you know, keeping them safe in a lot of ways. And here they are having like a white linen dinner on a little table and going to their very nice tent and you just you get to see the africans in the background a little bit at their campfire you know and having their dinner out of a you know off a plate or whatever they're eating off of which is not a table with linens and plates and china and stuff like that so i don't know it's at least it's there to notice you know Mm -hmm. even if it's not explicitly drawn attention to yeah. And uh, on the same note, I think, was the use of the war in this movie. Yeah. Because, man, I, I can't think. I was trying to think today. I was like, gosh, you know, there's so many dramas, specifically romantic dramas, that use the backdrop of war. 
And this is one of the few I can think of where you don't see any fight. I mean, there's no fighting. Like, no. I don't even have a sense of who the hell they were fighting. <laughs> who I was, was there? fully ignorant of what was yeah, yeah. Of I mean, any of that history. Yeah. Uh, I think it's WW1, obviously, right? Sure. Or is it? Yeah. In K- I, I honestly don't know. Honestly. I honestly don't know. Yeah, I think, well, and there's mention of the Kaiser. I mean, it would have to be something yeah. having to do with World War One. yeah. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't quite know what that looks like. But, yeah, I mean, the husbands, the men go off to, to fight. You just don't see a, a drop of it, which I, again, kind of like, again, like that, I think that just reaffirms the point that this is Meryl's movie. And yeah. it is about her, and it is not about necessarily what's happening to the country. I'm sure there's another movie that, that's done it in the same, you know, in a some similar fashion. <laughs> I was like, well, surely, we're, I mean, come on, how much money are we spending here on this movie? And uh, we're going to get like somebody <laughs> shoot and kill somebody. Uh, nope, not nope. in this one. No, thanks. Uh, should we talk about syphilis? I'm glad you brought it up, Sean. How's your syphilis going? Ooh, it's it's fine. Oh, good. I will give a word, word of warning. Mm-hmm. because Okay, cause, so here's how this plays out. Streep's husband, Brandauer, mm-hmm. does go off to fight. So he's at the front somewhere. Right. Word gets back uh, to Streep that they need supplies. Troops, they need cattle. They need a wagon, something. I don't know. Send send this. So she's supposed to send it. And, of course, she being Karen, she's like, screw that. I'm going too. And so she shows, you know, like, yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting journey. That's when you get one of the nighttime lion attacks. And yeah. she finally gets... It's really a great bit. Yeah. And even, like, her rolling into this, like, troop camp with all these, like, white dudes just, like, in utter disbelief that this woman is rolling in here riding on a, <laughs> a horse or an ox or whatever it was. And, like, she looks rough. Like, she's definitely gone through it. So she shows up. They have a moment, his husband and wife reuniting mm-hmm. uh, when he's been away for a while. And then she leaves... And she gets sick, and I, this is another one of those areas where they definitely truncated some stuff, I think, because um, mm-hmm. it's not long. Like you sort of like are cutting, cutting to a doctor, and you find out that she's got syphilis. And I don't know. I just didn't, you know, I didn't know enough about syphilis. I still don't to sure. understand like why, like they're like you have to get out of Africa and go home to be treated, or you could go insane, like. So I'm like, what is this disease? Like, I just thought this was like some sexually transmitted disease. So what I'm trying to get to is don't Wikipedia syphilis. They, uh, they You're going to see some stuff you don't want to They do. And it's right there, just right up front. And I was like, whoa, whoa. Yeah, there's no warning. Yeah, I just was expecting a nice article about (laughs) and maybe some like. Maybe some microscopic shots. Yeah, or some 18th century black and white drawings or something, you know. And so, uh, yeah. But, um. And then was interesting yeah. too because her husband did not get sick, like at least not like beyond you know. Right. I don't know, if so he he's some... kind of a carrier. Yeah, and so well, that's what I didn't quite understand, which that was what led me to look like she's about to die, and like he's fine. yeah, <laughs> he's fine. This guy. And let's talk about this. Okay. Because again, I I had I had like epic romance movie glasses on. Yeah. For a lot of this movie, so a lot of things happening were throwing me. I'll grant you that. But so she is diagnosed with syphilis. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you got to get out of here and go take care of this, the syph. Yep. And so, and correct me if I'm wrong about this, but it's like, it's like, okay, I'm out, fade out, fade in. 
I'm back. I'm all better. Yeah. I was like, what? Like, I like I thought I thought you were in you were in trouble. I thought this was gonna be a movie about you like fighting the Sif and like trying to <laughs> deal with everything. But no, it's just like, hey man, you got syphilis. Oh man. Okay, now I don't. I once Let's had syphilis in Africa. <laughs> uh, it just seemed know, like a weird cut. Like it just seemed. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things <laughs> where I guarantee in the book she spends at least you know a page on how that was treated and and how long that took sure. when she did go home and and what she did there. And it's also. You know, one of the key things about this this movie in this time was that there was some sort of financial agreement between her family and the man that she marries, the Brandau character. You know, mm-hmm. I, I you know I think it's her family that's kind of financing this farm in Africa to begin with, and so yeah, you can only imagine what it looked like when she's like, "Hey, mom, I'm home. I got syphilis." <laughs> uh, what? <Yeah. laughs> Yeah. Where'd you get it from? Uh, my husband. Yeah. Well, where'd you get it from? Yeah. So, well, you know, he's he's at war, and boys will be boys, especially in Africa. <laughs> you know. So, yeah. I mean, that's a big chunk of the story. I think that is is left out of this. What here's what, the one thing I did like about that: the whole syphilis plot, if you will. Right. <laughs> Which I guarantee, if you haven't seen this movie and you're listening to this. You did not expect there to be a discussion of syphilis when out of no. Africa was concerned. I didn't, for sure. No, but here we are. She comes back, and at a certain point later, she she tells Redford that that's why she left the country. And yeah. you, I don't know, I just felt like, damn, that's a hard, like, she didn't want to have to say that, obviously. Yeah. But she had to. And he already knew. And so you can only imagine, like, especially at this time, I mean, what, already what people think about her, right? Sure. Coming back, like, having to, like, go away and lick your wounds and coming back and knowing that everybody freaking knows why she left. And, yeah. you know, whether it's her fault or not, you know, that she got this in the first place. It's just, like, one more, yeah, thing. It's just like, ah, oh, God, this, this, this determined white woman. Maybe she should not be here. Maybe this is just not in the cards, but God bless her. She's getting yeah. her shot. Um, so I, I did kind of like how that was resolved, at least in that relationship with Redford. Sure. So yay, syphilis. What a great plot device. Did you like the scene where he and Streep are uh, kind of hiding behind some trees with the gramophone playing for the baboons? Yes. And then with the string yes. on the th- That was kind of nice. I liked that little moment. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there were great bit. I mean, so there's that. I, I really like the first time that, well, I guess the second time she sees him when she's out hanging around, sightseeing, and mm-hmm. a lioness comes out of the brush. Yeah. Just right for her. And it's, and it's, uh, it's really tense. Again, it's not something where, like, I don't see the glass wall between them. Like, it seems real dangerous. Yeah. And how Redford comes out, it's just like, don't worry, she's not going to do anything. Oh, she's and got blood all, all, all over her. All uh, killer. Yeah, that lioness oh, yeah. has blood all over her mouth. And he's just yeah. like, she's already had breakfast. Just let her do her thing yeah. and she'll go by. And, but uh, man, if a lion with blood all over its face was coming at you, <laughs> you'd be like, no. Yeah. And I like that uh, Like she scene. was no, the one scene. saying, shoot it. you know, Because like, yeah. I don't know. I, and I can see a version of this movie where 
you know, she would be the one, don't, don't kill it. And it's just like, no, if that thing's coming towards yeah. you, that's exactly what you're going to say. And even him, like, it's not like he didn't, he didn't not shoot it just because it's a lion, you know? Right. He just did it because well, it didn't, because it was like, that was probably going to create more problems. Well, exactly. And, and, and I think that's our, you know, encapsulation of, of the two uh, philosophies going into Africa. Yeah. Which is, you know, steamroll everything. Don't worry what it's, what it's about. Yep. And like one, you know, trying to like, let's kind of leave everything as it is. But then that gets to another question for me. Dennis Hatton in real life. Is he an American? I read that he was British. And so I, some review I saw, I was like, hey, I don't even, he's not yeah. even trying a British accent, but he talks about America. No. So I think he's an American in this movie. Because remember, he says something about it. Did, did you ever go to America? And she says that like her father had yeah. gone there when she was, or used to tell him, tell her about it, sorry, when she was little. But then he killed himself when she was 10. So, boop -a -doop -a -doop, <laughs> yeah. Another barrel full of monkeys. Yeah. Barrel full of monkeys. <laughs> sorry. So to just be insufferable. Please do. Is this movie then saying the American like, is a good guy? <laughs> man, yeah, those Europeans sure fucked up Africa. But if Americans had gone in, like, no. Like, if he's supposed to be representing America, that's a joke. I don't know because I don't know that I, there's he is, just, but I yeah, mean, I mean, there's just not enough, like, there's just not quite enough grandstanding from him <laughs> to really yeah. cement that like position. He's, for me it, yeah it, it doesn't seem like he has an allegiance yeah. to a country he doesn't and like he's not for fighting this war i mean he thinks that's silly too you know yeah um, that's somebody else's business yeah yeah and uh but you know, yeah i mean he's definitely in the ivory trade so again he's certainly at least monetarily benefiting off of you know steamrolling some of the wildlife there and he goes on safari right, and that kind of stuff. So I don't know. I think he's he's part of that. I mean, in some ways, maybe it's it is interesting because of course that's what the American would <laughs> would think yeah. without realizing that they're they're participating in that problem as <laughs> yes. well. You know, one hundred percent. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't quite know that that's what they were going for. But maybe. No, maybe. I, I don't really think it is. Yeah, I don't know. But it's just you know, I, I don't know. It's convenient, right? It is. It is. What else do you want to say about the content of this movie? Anything else that we haven't touched on? I mean, there's obviously there's so much this movie. Uh, again, like the plot beats are very, they happen in a very small manner, even when there are big things involved, like the death of the main character. And yeah. you just kind of got to buy into that and go along with it. But uh, yeah, anything else? Any other little moments stick out? One of my favorite moments, which we, we kind of almost touched on, but I think we kind of steered away from it at the last second, was about the, the school that she sets up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And why the chief doesn't want anyone to go to the school, which I just found really interesting, where he was like, no one who is, you know, basically under this line here on this pole right. can go to the school. And it's explained, it doesn't do any good if these little kids can all read and stuff and the chief can't. Yeah. And that takes away, you know, like his, his power in a way. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, like it's it's like all these well-meaning things. Yeah, white man's burden. You don't understand yeah. how it fucks up the ecosystem here. Yeah. yeah, like you're not you're not thinking about that at all. Um, and I, I yeah, I love little stuff like that. And I, and 
again, in retrospect, I do really like the way a lot of that stuff was handled. Yeah. And it was never just, no one ever ended up just like completely knight in shining armor. Right. Even, I mean, even the locals themselves a little bit, just because you do get a sense of the tribalism somewhat. You know, I'm Mm -hmm. thinking of when Meryl makes her journey to see her husband on the front there is that moment where there's a tribe that comes in on horses onto their camp. And like, mm-hmm. you know, you've, what you've sort of like established, I think those are the Somali and like what's been established oh, earlier yeah. is like, they're the only ones that know how to ride horses that are, have any sort of like use of them. And clearly that would give you an advantage <laughs> if you want to like attack somebody because you can ride in or yeah. ride out. And you know, it just so happens that Redford and Berkeley are there uh, with them when they descend upon the camp, so all these people are safe. But I don't know. They built some threat into that a little bit. And, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that that's kind of important, too. Uh, obviously, there's a long history of, of infighting in that area. So Yeah. Well, and that reminds me of, of one other thing. What is it? Red- Redford is with Merrill, and Redford's got like a – he's got like an assistant. He's got like a – yeah traveling companion possibly a guide or something that he's paying and it's and it's and like Merrill refers to him as as your man you know yeah d- does does your man want to come in and have food or something she says something like that offering something and like redford's like take on the whole thing is like i kind of don't mess with him and he kind of doesn't mess with me like i hire him to do this job but we're not really buddies yeah something like that which i just thought was really interesting and the guy's just standing there well and also too yeah that was another one where he was not maasai which i think was the local group that you know like merrill was employing oh right those and like yeah he he was definitely from a different place and so it was just a different mindset i guess or different customs yeah i I thought it was interesting too i mean i that moment actually stood out to me a little bit because i I got a little concerned it's like okay here's the guy the white guy that knows everything about africa and all the africans and like he's the one you know all-knowing guy who can travel between all the worlds here and uh yeah it's not that that fear was put to rest later on uh wasn't really a big deal interesting moment and there's god there's so many of those though that's the thing is Sure. I mean, when you just like dissect a little movie, and I mean, you feel like you would pick up on a different one every time you would watch this movie. But again, it's like even like thinking about sitting down to watch this right now, I can't say that I want to do that immediately. Oh. I, I think I need some time. Like I say, I think I would approach it just like, okay, I'm, I got 20 minutes. I'm going to watch 20 minutes of Out of Africa. Yeah. Which I'm not going to do because I don't own it. And it's not on any of the uh, subscription streaming platforms at the moment, which sucks. Um, but yeah. maybe maybe someday soon it will be. Well, and I think it's, you know, it's interesting that at least on this poster that I have here, it says based on a true story at the top of it. Mm-hmm. And generally, I feel like, man, based on a true story is something that can, I don't know, help you believe the insanity that happens in a movie. Yeah. Like, oh, wow, that that really happened. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Whereas like this, none, none of it like I'm like, yeah, that's a true story. I You, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I guess, yeah, I'm still trying to put into into perspective why I still feel so kind of lukewarm about it. Yeah. Because it is, it, it feels pretty disjointed. It's just and not. A lot of good moments, yeah. but man, you're just like, each each scene, it kind of feels like, where where am I now? Yeah. What am I doing now and, and, and what's happening now? And it feels like there are a lot of resets like that. Well, it doesn't really so. invite you in, period. No. Let alone emotionally. No, yeah. Yeah, no. It's just not, yeah. I mean, she's a woman who, 
she doesn't necessarily wear her emotions on her sleeve, you know? No. There's really no not one, even... No one could be accused of that. Yeah, I mean, there's not even, like, a really big... Like, when you think about, like, this movie and, like, the fact that she got nominated for an Oscar, like, which scene would you pick as the clip to show <laughs> when... Oh, yeah. You know, it's like, I, I mean, maybe I would choose, like, the reading of the poem at Redford's funeral. Like, that's the one thing that comes to mind instantly. But that's not a big right. moment, you know? And, I mean, but that's, you know, that's part of the reason why she's so good and why this right. performance is great is is because of that, but it doesn't have that, like, there's not, like, a big speech, there's not that big scene that, no. <laughs> that I think uh, is going to stick with you. It's all these little ones. So, yeah, uh, it's just, yeah, it's like a quilt of a movie in a weird way. It is. And wrap a yourself quilt. in it. Now, wrap it up. let's talk about this, then. You think the Oscars should have gone to this, or no? It sounds like a definite no, uh, at least in regards to Kiss of the Spider Woman. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say no. Mm-hmm. One thing I was thinking through the through a lot of it was thinking about in '85, or in, I guess in '86 when they were voting on it. Yeah, the 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 Academy's uh, certainly back then was known as as an organization of pretty old white guys. Yeah, and I kind of felt like like the the epic feel of this movie is probably speaking to them. This this feels maybe like an older movie. Yep. In a lot of ways, reminds them a lot of stuff, and maybe that's why everyone just really went for it. I don't know, but yeah, I would, I would, I would definitely like uh, Kiss of the Spider Woman. I'd have no problem giving that a best picture, uh, even with Witness and Color Purple over to the side. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, it is interesting to me that this one instead of the Color Purple. You know, yeah, because that, yeah. I think that's a way more accessible movie. Way more. It has just way as more. much to say about big social issues as this certainly Mm -hmm. more localized ones to the members of the academy unless there's a big african contingent i don't know about Uh, well and just being very clear mm -hmm. about i mean very very black and white yeah literally yeah literally yeah no and and then i mean witness like as we said you know fantastic movie and entertaining like that's a real solidly entertaining bit of a thriller but very dramatic movie Mm-hmm. And it sounds like, yeah, if you were going to go like totally just reward the art house side of things, you might yeah. go kiss the spider woman. So I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's a curious it's a curious victory uh, in a lot of ways. And we were talking True. a little bit beforehand. Don't forget, like this was what, what was it? Number four, number five at the box office this year. That's crazy. Its total pool worldwide was $227 million. It did 87 of that domestically. And again, like there were only three movies over $100 million that year. And so, I mean, a massive success. Totally. I just, I have a hard time feeling, figuring that out, but I, I like it. I mean, I think it's really interesting. And maybe it is, you know, that older demographic, you know, even when you're talking in 85, the people that were 40 and older... I mean, they're, they're steeped in movies that, yeah, that played out at a much longer runtime and a slower pace and have that mm-hmm. big landscape. And that, I mean, like this movie, I mean, there were moments where I thought of like Lawrence of Arabia, oddly enough, totally. uh, you know, but I think it's it's an apt comparison in some ways. Yeah, Maybe that fueled some of the box office. I don't know. But I, I think, I mean, that's kind of a marvel to me. I kind of love the fact that it made that much money because of just how demanding this movie is really to sit through yeah 
Yeah. So it is astounding. That's a huge achievement in and of itself. And then to win their Oscar is probably icing on the cake. It's also interesting. I just noticed for the first time that this movie, it looks like it came out the exact same day as The Color Purple, which was the 20th oh, yeah. of December in 1985. I'm guessing maybe uh, a limited release. Well, maybe not. I don't know. It looks like it was in a lot of theaters. It's still like almost a thousand. Yeah. Like. It could have been one of those, like, okay, like it opened in New York and LA right before Christmas. You know, and yeah. then next week it was everywhere. Uh, but yeah, both of those movies, I mean, it looks like they must have just been neck, neck and neck at the box office the whole length of the run. And uh, Color Purple, slightly more money, uh, which that doesn't surprise me at all, like, um, right. you know, between the two. But wow, I don't know. I, I mean, I would love to go back and look through the box office of years since then to find a movie that I think we could compare to this just on the content and see how it fared at the box office and if anything else really kind of came that close to that yeah. amount of money because it's impressive. Now, what about, you know, we can't really talk about director, I guess, you know, um, with Pollock winning. I don't really, I don't know that I have a huge issue with that. I mean, yeah. uh, I mean, uh, there's certainly some amazing directing going on in this thing. What about Meryl? I mean, are you surprised she didn't win after having seen this? I'm 100% su- surprised I am she too, win. a little bit. But it was, uh, who was it that won? Geraldine Page won. Oh, Geraldine Page. Yeah. I mean, and, and and was that kind of a lifetime? Yeah, Oscar? a little bit. I mean, we talked about it. I think she'd been nominated seven that times. But Because uh, sometimes, I mean, yeah, I, I would say sometimes you can look at something like this, and it's like Meryl Streep, and she's killing it so hard. Yeah. And you're like, eh, she'll get an Oscar. I wonder if the, if you know, the We don't accent, have to worry about her this year. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah, well, that's true. I mean, obviously she did. In fact, she may have won one before this. I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah, certainly, like, she's got nothing to complain about for right. not winning for this year. But, yeah, it's a, it's a strong, strong presence in this movie with her, uh, for sure. But it's not showy. Not at all. I mean, that's, yeah. you're absolutely right. And, and, and I don't know if Geraldine Page is, is super showy, but but that's true. I mean, this is, you know, in a demanding movie, mm-hmm. even though she is a standout in the movie, like, it's not, yeah. You probably, you know, speaking of what clip, it's probably her begging the guy. Oh yeah. At the end. Yep. Yep. You're right. I'd say that totally. would have to be it. Well, I'll go pull that clip and find that from the Oscars and see if they actually did any. Uh, yeah. I meant to say <laughs> when I was talking about Pretty Zoner, mm. I did find one review that claimed uh, that well made the very bold proclamation that uh, that movie and Purple Rose of Cairo were the only two great movies of 1985. And this was a review that came out in 85, by the way. Oh, wow. Okay. So I would like to say that person is wrong. <laughs> well, and speaking of Preeti's Honor, Preeti's Honor. <laughs> yeah. I would like to make a quick correction because we have all our never heard of it correction oh, police God, out there. No, no, you guys. <laughs> Who, I mean, they just will not let us alone. Just don't, yeah. William Hickey was not in Creepshow 2, Sean. He was in Tales from the Dark Side. Okay. Yeah, I can see why you would confuse the two. Yeah. yeah. He's very memorable, though. You see that guy, you'll know. He is. He's definitely memorable. I like that guy. Well, that wraps up our look yeah. at the Academy Awards for the movies of 1985. Clearly, you know, there's some more we need to see, and I, I think we'll find some movies that we'll be like, man, that should have been nominated for Best Picture. Sure. And I can kind of think of a couple already maybe but you know we if you mm. did not listen to the tea up to this episode highly recommend it not only just because it's us I mean, <laughs> duh yeah 
I mean. But we did. We covered the gamut of the awards, and we talked about snubs and things like that, and saying like the fact that Huey Lewis in the news played the show. So if you're into that, sweet, listen to it. Uh, you'll enjoy that one. It was a fun one, and yeah, I think every year uh, the show and these nominations, you know, things are going to get nominated that in 20 years are going to be completely forgotten, and I think. Watching these movies and talking about this and the Oscars this year was a good reminder for me to just really never get upset about the Oscars at all. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's really f- silly. Yeah. The whole thing is is pretty silly. Mm-hmm. And that being said, obviously, if a bunch of people who were in the movie business voted that your whatever was the best, you'd be pretty excited. Hey. So that's not that silly, but it's, yeah. otherwise it's pretty silly. It's a fantastic thing for your career. You know, yeah. everybody should want to win an Oscar, and everybody should. Why not? But uh, Let's just give, give everybody an Oscar. Yeah, let's just do it. I mean, Absolutely. because why not, you know? Uh, but no, yeah. I, I think uh, even a movie like Out of Africa, which I, I did, I liked, it's one of those where you hope that in 100 years – People will not just <laughs> search out and find, oh, if I'm looking for movies from 1985, well, let me just start with the best picture and let me just end with that because yeah. Yeah, there's so much more. So, so, so much more. Uh, and that's a very obvious thing to say, but it's a good reminder uh, checking these movies out, I think, of that. Agreed. Speaking of checking things out, let's go ahead and talk about the party we're going to have next week. We're teeing up the year of the Fox. Michael J. Mm-hmm. I wonder what the J stands for. We'll have to find that out in the tee-up. As far as I know, and I, I, I shouldn't know this, but I feel like I do, <laughs> is because his middle name is like Andrew or Alan, and so it was going to be Michael A. Fox because there was already a Michael Fox. And then there was something about people were like, no, it's it's too close to like you're saying Michael's a fox. Uh, and it's just, that's It's a little too team beat, yeah. Yeah, I think it was like his agent or somebody was like Michael J. Fox. So J stands for nothing. J stands for just J. Just great. Yeah, I don't know. Huh. Well, we'll we'll dig into that as much as we can when we talk. I'll about... I'll go back to my old yeah yeah your old... old Tiger Beat yeah uh, issues. <laughs> yeah, and we're gonna talk Back to the Future and Teen Wolf in our final episode of the year. So that's exciting. I haven't seen either one of those movies in a couple years. Yeah. You know, in my head, I'm already thinking Back to the Future is kind of a perfect script. So I'm curious to look at it through a little more critical lens and see if I still feel that way after watching it again for the 800th time. Yeah. And then Teen Wolf, I just hope I turn into a werewolf when I'm watching that's all. (laughs) All I remember is, I mean, I've seen both of those a bunch of times, but, but man, when I was a kid, both of those movies gave me the exact same amount of excitement. Yeah, agreed. And I think as a as an older man now, I feel like one of them gives me a little more excitement than the other one. But I'm interested to like go back and uh, and check that out. Absolutely. So come back and join us for that. Uh, it'll be a good time. And uh, hey, Craig, did you know that I once uh, had a farm in Africa? Sean, I keep telling you that's not true. Okay, that was Alabama. Oh, you're right. All right. Well, yeah. on that note, good night. Thank you.